This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. God, for the glory of his name, is reconciling and reclaiming all things to himself. He's just yearning for you. He's longing for you. He wants friendship and relationship with you. He needs you. Oh, you're breaking his heart. No, he's going to break you. Self-esteem, that is a satanic idea. You're not as important as you think you are. This, like, when you say, I, I just can't believe in a God that would, you realize it doesn't matter. You don't get to define God. This is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us some men who know the truth. One man, Jew and Gentile, bond and free. One, there is no race in Christ Jesus. Oh, how a man needs to fear God that that man might cling to his word. Give us some preachers who aren't tripping over their skirt to get into the pulpit. What's wrong with you people? Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Matter of Theology. We are starting in part one, Romans 11. Uh, If you haven't already, go back, stop right now. Go back and listen to the introduction where Chris kind of gives the background, kind of lays the groundwork through Romans, uh, not really just Romans 9, 9 and 8, 9 and 10, but also gives, you know, kind of an overview of the book of Romans leading up to chapter 11, because in your mind, you're probably going, why chapter 11? Especially if you guys did chapter one, what happened to chapter two? So Chris goes back and he gives kind of a 10,000 foot view of uh, walking through chapters two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10. Uh, and now we're getting into 11. Uh, so it's really good. Go back, listen to it, listen to the groundwork that's being laid to how we arrive at chapter 11. Uh, but we really want to talk about uh, the remnant who yeah. is the remnant? Because it's very confusing. And even some of the commentaries I've been reading, uh, they have different, very different views. Some of them uh, do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of it even centers around uh, the, the term foreknow. What does it mean that God foreknew, right? Some people, some people say, well, you know, the, the, the publishers of, of certain translations put the comma in the wrong place. Like they make that an issue and they say, well, if the comma is in this place, it's talking about all of Israel. Uh, And if it's in this place, it's talking about the Israel within Israel. Um, So there's a whole discussion based on a punctuation. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, There's, there's, there's lots of discussions on, uh, you know, the very first verse. um, And we're going to read the whole section uh, that we're going to go through in this episode and here in a second. But I mean, there are people that say, uh, that that have differing views on uh, let's see one two three four five six the seven and eighth word in uh, to the chapter his people um, who are mm-hmm. the, his people yeah. uh, right there but remember and, and if you did listen to that uh, that first episode that um, that I did remember uh, we have to remember as the great Puritan Thomas Watson said that scripture 
is uh, the only thing that really can interpret itself. Uh, he said that the scripture interprets scripture as a diamond can only cut another diamond. Um, and, um, and reminds us as well, Thomas Watson also, that uh, the Bible, God's word, is the richest jewel uh, that has been left to us. It's, uh, it is the special revelation needed uh, for the Holy Spirit to uh, enact the effectual call uh, that causes regeneration and the new birth uh, in, in each of us who are among the elect. Uh, and so we have to remember uh, that this, th th this chapter and, uh, and, and any chapter in Scripture uh, has to be approached um, uh with reverence and respect and um and we have to remember that we we can't look at god and say that's not fair uh we are in no right. place to do that uh so we approach uh this chapter ultimately in all of scripture the way that moses was commanded uh when he was hearing the very words of the lord uh take off your shoes for the ground that you walk on is holy ground um, and so, uh, that, that is the goal. And, and, and I said this, uh, before and, and, uh, and I think it bears repeating, especially in today's world of podcasts and social media and no, you're right. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, you're right. Uh, to say that the goal here is not to prove, uh, anyone wrong. The goal here is not to go, this is the absolutely, the, the, our interpretation of this is infallible because most likely that's, uh, 100% not the case. Well, not 100%, but not the case. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so we just want to, we just want to kick right off. And, um, I mean, this, um, as again, as Martin Lloyd-Jones also said that this is one of those passages of scripture that you really don't, you really can't comprehend, uh, the true depth and beauty of it until you start studying it. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, I know for me, uh, this has been a three-week uh, ordeal uh, just in the first 10 verses now. Um, and it is uh, it, it is amazing. Um, and it is something to where uh, I have a better handle on what this passage says. says. I also have a better handle on what Romans 9, 10, and 11. Uh, well, actually, 8. We'll start go back to 8. Mm -hmm. And Romans 8 was one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Um, so... So yeah, uh, why don't we why don't we do this? Uh, let, let's let's just read the passage and then we'll um, yeah. we'll kick right off. Our goal in this episode is to get through the first six verses. Um, I, I think I, I said in the introduction that we were going to try to split it up into three or four sections um, that go together. But as far as just the sheer amount of content. Uh, from a theological standpoint, from a doctrine standpoint, but then from an application standpoint, I think six verses is probably going to be good for a podcast. Mm, yeah. All right. So uh, both uh, Drew uh, and I, man, hold up. Happy anniversary. Thanks, man. Happy anniversary. You and Brandy, two years. Two years. Little Jeremiah Lawson coming soon. That's right. That's, That's awesome, right. man. Happy We're still alive. We haven't killed each other. Hey. That's a win, right? There. It's always it, it, it's always good when you reach another year and your you and your spouse are both still alive. Amen. Amen. All right, uh, Romans eleven. I say then, God has not rejected His people, has He? May it never be. For I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected His people, whom He foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel? Lord, 
They have killed your prophets. They have torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they are seeking my life. But what is the divine response to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. In the same way, then, there has also come to be at the present time a remnant according to God's gracious choice. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. Mm. The word of the Lord. Mm. Man. Amen. See you guys next time. Uh, <laughs> so, um, man, so... Some- kicking right yeah. off yeah go for it dude we're gonna yeah start. well i mean i'm just gonna say let's i mean now let's go back to to one verse yeah. one and let's yeah. just start breaking this thing down yeah uh, i mean obviously the goal is to exposit the text and the context in which it was written uh in order to just draw out what paul's saying looking at who he's talking to uh and then apply it you know how does it apply today so the first thing he says i say then which is <clears throat> He, he he's bringing together everything he had just said before. Right. So now <clears throat> we see uh, when you Paul talks about Israel before in chapter nine, but it's it's in relation to the promises of God regarding Israel. But right. in chapter nine, he he starts talking about what he does not mean. And now that we get into chapter eleven, he begins to talk about what he does mean regarding the promises from That's God. Right. That's right. So so this I say then, right? It's almost like therefore. Uh he's he's pulling forward everything that he has just just said. He he he's he's he, he's bringing it, that to your attention and then he's saying God has not rejected his people, has he? Which is this is a rhetorical question. Yep. Uh it's structured in such a way that it implies the negative, the negative answer that follows. Yep. And this this negative answer that follows, meganoita, is the strongest negation that you can have in the Greek language. Uh, here it says, "May it never be," but uh, I believe the the six sixteen uh, eleven says, uh, "God forbid." Mm-hmm. Uh, the The idea is that don't even allow that thought into your mind. That is an absurd idea. Don't even think that. God forbid that ever happen. So he's saying, may it never be. Absolutely not. Yeah, this is, uh, he's saying it, this is unthinkable. It's impossible. It's mm-hmm. no, 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 a thousand times right. no. And, and, and then backing up even further than that, uh, you know, the word rejected there is important because it isn't just yeah. that it isn't just that that uh, he's he's saying, well, God hasn't just received them. It's it's no this this question is implying and not implying it's saying rejected apatheo. It literally means to cast away. And that's what the 1611 right. says in that one, too, mm-hmm. is cast away from one's person, meaning you already have received, you already have accepted, and now you are going to thrust away, push away. Um, and it's, it's, uh, uh, every word matters. So what, what Paul is, is again, in context, talking, uh, talking to and writing to these people, he's, he is basically anticipating their question of is, has Israel, has God's, as his people 
been completely rejected. Comple- yes, is God finished with Israel completely? Is he utterly done? And and just mm-hmm. like Drew said, the answer is God forbid. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. And Paul Paul uses that that phrase that um uh, that more say it one more time. Meganoita. Meganoita. Thank you. Um, it, it's it's it just like Drew said. It's the strongest negative. Christ Himself uses it in the parable of the vine growers, and Paul, he uses it some uh, upwards of fourteen times in his writings. Ten of those come in the Book of Romans, uh, chapter three, chapter six, First uh, Corinthians six, Galatians two. So, so basically. Romans nine, Romans ten. Again, just like Drew said, it's it's Paul is is it's dealing with and explaining the position. What position is Israel in? They, they've rejected, they've rebelled, they've crucified the Messiah. Right now, they've moved to a point when Romans is written that they're trying to earn their salvation by works. Um, and 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 so this is this is Paul answering that implied question. Yeah, it might help the listeners if you uh, break break this up into three questions, right? Looking yeah. from from chapters eight to chapters eleven, three questions. Looking at has God been faithful to Israel? Has God been fair to Israel? And now we're going to answer: Is He finished with right. Israel? Right. And that's a question that also leads uh, to today: Is He finished? ultimately today with Israel, mm-hmm. uh, or, or in the future. Um, <clears throat> so that would just, that, that would just help, uh, break yeah, down great. kind of the passages of scripture to, to answer those questions. Absolutely. So, uh, so, so then, you know, we, we're, we're moving past this, this denial, uh, the, this no, absolutely not. And then now, now Paul is moving towards the why he's given the proof of, of why God has, has, uh, has not set aside the nation Israel completely and finally, and it's, it's, it's temporary. Okay. Um, and, and, and he's going to, he's going to explain that in detail. Um, so the reason why he says first is, is because, well, he is a Jew. He is from right. the nation uh, uh, of Israel. Um, That's and right. if yeah, you remember, God has, God has not rejected Israel. You know how I know? Because I'm a Jew. I'm an Israelite. Right. I am one. Yeah. Um, I'm so, not just a proselyte, a, a Gentile baptized into, into Israel. I am a actual Jew. And then he continues on to 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 kind of give his credentials here uh, of how he is a Jew. Well, he's a descendant of Abraham, and yep. he's of the tribe of Benjamin, which is important. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, in Philippians, uh, you know, he, Paul goes into this elsewhere. Philippians three. Uh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Yeah, Philippians three uh, four through six, and he says this. He says, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone has. Uh, anyone has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more circumcised on the eighth day of the nation Israel, of the tribe of ben- Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, uh, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, and as to righteousness, to which is found in the law, found blameless. So those were earthly distinctions that Paul was laying out there. Of course, later on in the chapter, he talks about that that that's all rubbish uh, compared to the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ. Um, so, 
but but it's a great reminder uh, that at the time that Paul wrote this, um, that there were many Jews who were believers, um, mm, and yeah. uh, and and you see that played out all throughout the New Testament. Um, uh, that and and you know Paul's conversion is a uh, wow. If you've never read Acts uh, about Paul's conversion, you should. Here's a Christ-hating. Uh, I mean the 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 worst upon worst. I mean, he said it, uh, a Pharisee of Pharisees. Um, and, uh, hello. Uh, I mean, he's not done with Israel. He, he can't be. And Paul's saying, I'm living proof of that. Um, and, and he moves on to say of the tribe of Benjamin. And this was, this was one of the more favored tribes. Um, you know, the, the uh, theologian Charles Hodge, um, you know, talked about that. And, by stating uh, that he's from the tribe of Benjamin, uh, that's important, and it would have been important to the Jews that he was the people he was writing to, because Judah and Benjamin, after the Babylonian exile, they were um, the chief representatives of the theocratic people, um, and they they were the only two tribes that didn't apostatize. That's right. They and so faithful. they remained faithful. That's important, um, and and that's that's why Paul breaks that down there. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And then in my notes, I, I, I wrote, remember, uh, Benjamin stood with Judah and remaining commend, uh, committed to the Davidic covenant. Uh, whereas following the death of Solomon, the other 10 tribes were taken away into captivity uh, because they set up their own kingdoms in Samaria. And that is a big deal. This is a very, very personal statement by Paul, by him saying, I'm an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm not just someone yeah. who's been grafted in. I am by blood an Israelite. That's right. I mean, and even just think about who were the the main people that were persecuting Paul. Right. Well, they were they were Jews. Yeah. You know, he would he would go to into a town and it would be the Jews that would that would beat him, that would run him out. Think of the uh the prophecy by uh Agabus. Right. Yeah. What, what does yep. he say? He says he says Paul will be bound and by the Jews and handed over to to the Romans. Well, um, just to be clear, uh, this is not uh, a, a mistaken uh, prophecy, interpretation and prophecy, right. as some right. charismatics would like to claim uh, by Paul's own account. He, he was bound by the Jews. Right. And they handed him over. Uh, so he, Paul's persecution mainly takes place by the Jews and they follow him from town to town, wherever he goes. And you see this in the Judaizers, right? They're trying to undo what he does. They're trying to say in all the places where he's established the church, come in and say, yeah, it's great by having faith in Christ, but you mu you can't just have faith. It's faith plus these things. It's, it's faith plus keeping the law. You must keep the law as well. Well, right. No, it's not. So, mm -hmm. so Paul's main persecutors are the Jews, but even within the Jews, there is that remnant as, as Chris was talking about, um, uh, Paul is pointing out that there are Jewish believers within the church, including himself. That's so right. He is not finished with Israel. Yeah, that's, uh, that's right. That's right. Um, so moving on to verse two, uh, God is not rejected. His people whom he foreknew. Uh, and this is this is where uh, this is what, I, what Drew was talking about beforehand. There are, are, are commentators who 
who who differ uh, on this because of because of punctuation in the translations. But the bottom line is this: um, the Lord has always and will always preserve for Himself a remnant. Um, there will be a people. And um, I, I did some reading today. Jonathan Edwards, uh, the, the, the great Jonathan Edwards, uh, talked about this. And he he, he got into uh, why Israel was God's people. Um, and, and he reminds us in, in his, and, and, and I'm reading from the works of Jonathan Edwards from Banner, Volume 1. Uh, uh, he reminds us that, look, um, you know, people often ask the question, why? why Israel? Um, and, and Edward is like, well, that's the wrong question. The wrong question is why not? God can choose to, uh, to shower or, uh, choose a nation by blood. Uh, however he wants to, it's his mm-hmm. choice and that's the that's choice right. he made. And, and then, mm-hmm. and Edwards breaks down, uh, why God did that. But we have to remember that God will always preserve himself a remnant. Uh, yeah. the, the bridegroom will always have a bride. And, yeah. and that's important that's right. to remember. Um, so uh, the, the Lord has always, and, and again, will always preserve that. Um, now, and, if I and, could expand ahead, uh, yeah, Jonathan please. Edwards, because um, I have uh, the, the same works you were talking about, um, but I didn't dive into it uh, like you did. But I'm assuming uh, Edwards, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, he's the, the basis of God's... Uh, choosing of Israel is solely based upon his grace, uh, his grace alone. Um, it's not anything great of Israel, but it's just Correct. God, God chose Israel because it was his, it was the working of his grace to do so the same way, uh, Nineveh was a, a Gentile nation, a pagan nation. And it was solely by his grace that right. he sent Jonah, uh, to proclaim repentance, Absolutely. uh, to a Gentile nation that he was going to destroy. Um, so it was nothing great of Nineveh, uh, cause they weren't even Jews. Uh, it was only by his grace. So, so why not Israel? Um, I mean, it, everything is done. God's, God's choice is made on the basis of his grace, ultimately to his glory alone, uh, for his purpose. Yes. Uh, so, so check, check this out. Ready? Quote, mm-hmm. To that nation, he fixed his blessings by his covenant with the patriarchs. Indeed, the main thing, the substance and the marrow of that covenant, which God made with Abraham and the other patriarchs, was the covenant of grace, which is continued in these days of the gospel and extends to all his spiritual seed of the Gentiles as well as the Jews. More on that later. Uh, there you go. It is all about the covenant of grace that God made with Abraham. Um, and God does not break his covenants. Um, and, and that's that's something that uh, in reading uh, Dr. John MacArthur's commentary on Romans 11, he reminds us that the reason uh, that Paul is saying this and the reason why we need to study this today, and I mentioned this in the introduction episode, is we, we serve a God who is faithful. Mm-hmm. He is truth. He defined, he, he is the very definition of the truth. He will not break his covenants. He will not go against his word. Um, right. He will be faithful to his promise and his name first and foremost. Uh, and because of that, that also is an answer as to why God is not done uh, with Israel still even to this day. Um, mm-hmm. uh, 
so so that that's a great reminder for all of us. You know, James 1.17, for our Heavenly Father, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from our Heavenly Father and lights who does not change like the shifting of shadows. Um, and we have to remember that. Um, that's who he is. And so I think that's probably a good segue into for new and for no, for ordained, for love. Yeah. And I just broke it all yeah. down right there. Um, so th- this is verse two is, is, is Paul's firm answer to, to why God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. That, that's the firm answer there. Um, and remember, remember the re- word rejecting, apatheo, the casting away, the shoving away, the permanently um it's it's said in the middle voice because it's 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 thrusting away i mean just a good hearty shove away permanently and that's not what god has done that's that's what paul's trying to reiterate here um so uh we see similar language in this verse in psalm 94 um and paul most likely had this in mind um and this is where uh, this is where things start to start to start to get, can get muddy, uh, as far as if you start reading different commentaries and, uh, different theologians as they have broken this down. So, uh, but something that, that we've talked about is, is we're trying to stay as theologically consistent as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so to, in order to do that, based on everything you see in the whole counsel of God, when it comes to, uh, the doctrine of, uh, foreknowledge, uh, predestination and election, uh, we, we have to consistently say that when Paul is talking about his people and those whom he foreknew, this is the elect. This is mm-hmm. the elect nation inside yeah. the ethnic nation. Um, right. And so, so, you know, I mean, we, we, we talked about getting into the differing views and well, this person and, and these people said this for the first verse, but then the second verse, he's referring to something else, but just in, in, in what we've read and, and I'll be quiet here in a second, let you, let you jump in. Uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's safe to say um, again, to remain consistent with what Paul just talked about. In Romans mm-hmm. nine and ten, yeah. uh, you know that the, the his people, uh, those whom he his people again in verse two is the elect inside mm-hmm. the elect nation. Yeah, yeah, that's because when you think about the term foreknew, yeah, right. Uh, well, define it. What does it mean? I mean, it's those whom he chose beforehand. Right. Uh, where else does he use that? He uses that. Think about uh, the book, uh, the letter to the Galatians. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if I'm th- if I'm thinking correctly, um, where it talks about, I believe so. Either way, uh, talking about being saved before the foundation of the world. Ephesians uh, one. Yeah. Um, Ephesians is that where it says for new? For new? Uh, predestined. I know predestined is in there. Yeah. Um, uh, it's the same same word by well first Peter one yeah first Peter yeah. one verse twenty Romans eight twenty nine mm-hmm. um you know for yeah. new for ordained for love yeah. uh prognosco um mm-hmm. and what this is um this isn't just an awareness of something or to have knowledge about it it is it is determining for something yes. to come to pass it is That's also right. not open theism this is right. not God looking down the tunnel of time. And knowing who would choose him 
in return. So he go, he, he's going to go ahead and elect them. That would right. mean that God is not omniscient. Um, right. and, and, and that is heresy. So we, yeah, we, no, this, this foreknowing there. is, uh, an active, uh, it's an action that God has done before he created the world, before he set things in motion. This is something that he determined beforehand. Pre-temporal. Uh, yeah, that's right. So so uh, there, there really is no confusion about what Paul is talking about here. So now uh, if we if we look at verse 1, it says God has not rejected his people, but now who's in his people, right? He, now he's zooming in. Think about, think about uh, uh, Genesis, right? You have the seven-day creation or, or six-day creation, seventh day of rest. But then what does he do with the creation of man? He zooms in on it in right. chapter two. Right. Well, that's what he's doing here. Verse one, his people, but within his people, he's zooming in the foreknown, those who are foreknown. Well, again, um, context, right? I mean, the whole, right. the whole, yeah. the whole section of scripture is dealing with, yes, dealing with why the Jews are on the outside and the Gentiles mm -hmm. are on the inside. That's right. So, so this again, great point. You drill down mm -hmm. to his people uh, and who the his people mm -hmm. includes. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, because Paul even says, "Are we Jews better off simply because we're Jews?" No, which is the, the main reason why God has brought in Gentiles. He, I mean, and that's even prophesied in the Old Testament. I will call those who are not my people, my people. Jesus even says that. I have sheep that are not of this fold. He's talking about Gentiles. So uh, the, there is a, a bringing in of another uh, of other people. But within that, there's also uh, uh, the, the realization that not all of Israel is right. Israel. That's right. He says that in Romans nine. That's right. Yeah. So <laughs> verbatim. So, so, and can I just interrupt? I'm sorry. And can I just say no, this too? What, one of the things that this, and, and I, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole because I am in no way qualified to do so, but I, I know a couple of gentlemen and we're going to be able to meet them in January who are this also studying. This also flies in the face of anyone who tries to promote woke theology and mm -hmm. racial reparations. That's this right. Yeah. concept right here, the doctrine of election and foreknowledge mm -hmm. um, elsewhere in the book of Colossians, mm -hmm. how there, again, there's no distinction now. Um, mm -hmm. There is, there's no distinction. Colossians three 11 uh, between Greek and Jew circumcised mm -hmm. and uncircumcised barbarian, Scythian slave mm -hmm. and and free man, but Christ is all and in all. That's I'll, right. I'll yeah. jump off that one, but yeah. In, uh, I mean, in the doctrine of salvation, race is not a category. No, um, it's not a coherent category, uh, because the basis of, is Christ, not Amen. where you're from, not your skin color, uh, not anything of that. I mean, and even to bring it back to the text, even works, that's right. Uh, what you do, the keeping of the law as it gets into what? Verse, verse five, verse five, six. Yeah. yeah. Verse, verse six. Uh, what you do does not guarantee salvation. That's right. Um, so uh, bringing it back uh, yep, to, to verse two, uh, <laughs> God has not rejected his people, 
whom he foreknew, the zooming in, um, or do you not know what scripture says in the passage about Elijah? So he goes back referencing the Old Testament as Paul is is known to do. Uh, but what does he say about Elijah? Uh, he's talking about uh, there is a remnant that did not apostatize. There's this, a remnant that stayed faithful. New. That's right. This yeah, is nothing, nothing new. If it's new, it's not true. Mm-hmm. It's it's there's nothing new here, um, and 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 Paul, again, and I've said this a, a, a bunch. He is a master teacher. He knows his audience. Mm-hmm. He knows the people that he's writing to. Uh, and if that doesn't help enough, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> to be writing yeah. uh, to us today as well uh, for our application. Also. Um, we, I want to go back to for no real quick um, and, mm-hmm. and to no because of the that also does carry, you know, because I I, I just want to make sure just uh, just so often in my conversations from an apologetic standpoint with people inside the church who have such a massive problem with foreknowledge, foreordained, for love, election again, which we're going to get into election again here in a second. But um, the, the the word to know carries with it in scripture, this, this, this beautiful, intimate connotation mm-hmm. of, yeah. of it, it, it's, again, it's not just base knowledge. It is intimate knowledge in the same way that a husband knows his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is shown specifically to his elect, his adopted sons and daughters, those whom he, uh, he set apart before the foundation of the world. And, um, there's one, uh, one verse I wanted to read out of Acts 2 um, in my little Bible here, the little Bible. <laughs> you guys can't see it, but I got a, a compact um, NAS from Steadfast Bibles, um, and it's it's really tiny. <laughs> I wasn't anticipating how small it was going to be. See? All right. Uh, Acts 2.23 says this. Um, uh, and, and again, it deals with uh, it deals with the word foreknowledge. This man, man being Christ, delivered over uh, by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed him to the cross. You mm-hmm. by by hands of godless men put him to death, but God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Just wanted to share that because I read that earlier and I had to sit down. Um, mm. There's the gospel in two verses there. That's right. Uh, okay, so yes, sorry. Um, moving on to uh, to to him using the Old Testament. Um, uh, mm-hmm. You know that there are some, not really some, just one uh, right now anyway, uh, who have liked to say that the Old Testament doesn't matter. That Peter and Paul didn't care about the Old Testament. Well, I'm sorry that. that Again, somebody get that man an NAS Bible so he can see all the bold capital letters of every time that Paul and Peter quoted the Old Testament. Dude, they're just like, I'm looking at my Bible right now. They're just all over the page. Oh my gosh, (laughs) it's, it's, come on. You can't, mm, anyway, moving on. So I mean, I just want to kind of throw it. So, so if you know anything about uh, Greek manuscripts, uh, you know that uh, the manuscripts were written in capital letters with almost no punctuation. Well, when I look at the New Testament in my NAS, it's almost all capital letters because it's quotations from the Old Testament. Just read Romans and Peter. First, second Peter and Romans 
goodness gracious, you, you can't get away from it. And, 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 and it's the whole counsel of God, you know, you, you, you can't, you, you can't do that. Um, so, so he, he appear, he appeals to them using the old Testament. Um, and he's saying, do, you know, do you not know what scripture says? Okay. Um, I don't want you to just take my word for it. He's not presenting his own ideas. He only wants the whole of Scripture to be front and center. The authority of God's Word is of utmost importance. And, of course, we always have to ask that question ourselves. Um, is it ours? Whenever we're having any sort of conversation, debate, whatever you want to call it with anybody, is it God's Word or is it our own opinions? Um, and that's super important. So, um, uh, so he he launches into uh this question um that that Isaiah or excuse me that Elijah excuse me he does quote Isaiah but uh that Elijah prays um and I love this story um and so so he says I love this story is so good um he he says or do you not know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah how he pleads with God against Israel verse 3 lord they have killed your prophets. They alone have torn down your altars, and I am a, I alone am left. They are seeking my life. So if you've never read the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal, the 850 false prophets that, that came against him, I mean, Elijah was an old man at this point. He stands firm, bold. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones says he's like a lion. Okay, and this story is incredible. They, they, Elijah builds an altar. The, the prophets of Baal build altars. And they said, okay. And Elijah's like, whoever sets, whoever gets set on fire by their God wins, basically. Um, and so uh, the prophets of Baal did their little chant and did all this stuff and, and no fire, obviously. Hello, false, false, uh, false deity, not really a God. Um, and Elijah's taunting them. Uh, is he asleep? Did he have to go to the bathroom? Uh, you know, so, I mean, he stands firm and then it comes to, it comes to, to the altar that he built and he says, okay, douse it with water. And, and the, the, the Lord, uh, shows himself faithful. He defeats them. Uh, but then, uh, what ends up happening is queen Jezebel who married Ahab wants, is wanting to kill him. So he flees and he take, takes refuge under a juniper tree. And he's feeling sorry for himself and he's asking questions that we've all asked, right? He's lamenting in ways that we have all lamented when stuff doesn't go our way or when, when, when we're legitimately afraid of real things, where are you, Lord? Why don't you do something about this? Um, and he lost focus. He, he started focusing on himself. And as Martin Lloyd-Jones points out, he says that Elijah misjudged the situation completely and perspective is a big deal. Mm-hmm perspective is a huge deal. Um, you may be listening to this and you may be walking through something that, that you think is absolutely impossible, that you can't do it, that you're not going to survive. Um, and, and I'm not saying this flippantly. I'm saying this as, as, as from, from experience that, uh, perspective is a big deal. Is the glass half empty? Is the glass half full? Yes, there are options, but are those options in the parameters of scripture? In are those options in the parameter of God's word, his promises? So, um, you know, th- there was rampant apostasy in, in the nation Israel. And uh, looking at the situation the way Elijah did, we might think the same thing. But Paul 
points out that that God's divine response, okay, it's sometimes called a divine oracle. It's his direct word. His direct word reassures uh, Elijah. He says, I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. And so, uh, you know, just a little application for us uh, and, and, and a reminder for the readers of Romans that Paul was writing to is when when seeking the Lord in distress or anything, we have to listen to his holy and perfect word. We have to. It's completely, you've heard us say it a hundred times. We will keep saying it. It's infallible. It's inerrant. But it is completely sufficient for all things as it pertains to life and godliness, Peter reminds us. Uh, Psalm 19 says, the law of the Lord is perfect restoring or reviving the soul. So Elijah wasn't the only one. And, and again, remember, there's nothing new. Okay. The majority of the nation, yes, they were in apostasy. Um, God, again, remember, God still has a remnant. Uh, Dr. John MacArthur points out that when God called Isaiah to preach, he warned that there would only be, uh, th- there would be a great many who wouldn't listen. And only mm-hmm. that small holy remnant, like a stump left when a tree is felled, would remain. And yep. that passage in Isaiah, by the way, is one of the most quoted in the New Testament. Yeah. Um, and we'll get into that. Oh, yeah. To some of that later where, oh, you yeah. know, he, he makes them blind and he makes them yep. deaf. Yep. And he, yeah, he willingly blind, you know, I mean, he, he willingly blinds those who were already blinded. Uh, but you're you're absolutely you are absolutely right. So, uh, you know, it's as we see throughout the scripture, um, God always has for Himself a remnant. Just some small, quick examples, right? Um, uh, when His people were captive in Babylon, right? Most rejected the Lord. We talked about that earlier. But they were a f- there were there were that few, right? That the Daniel, the the Ezekiel's, the Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Mordecai, Esther. Um, you know, same in the gospel that there were, there was rampant apostasy, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, before Christ was born, you had Zacharias and Elizabeth, obviously Mary and Joseph, uh, Simon, Anna, the shepherds after the, 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 the ascension, there were some 3000 believers, mostly Jews at Pentecost, um, in Acts 4, we see another roughly 5,000. By the end of Acts 4, there's at least 20,000 in Jerusalem alone. And so it's estimated that by the time Romans was written, there were hundreds of thousands. So a superficial yeah. view of what was going on in the yeah. first century church would only see the Gentiles in the church. And, and Paul wants to shut the door uh, with, with, with this view of, God is is completely thrust away and cast away his people inside the ethnic nation well, the of book Israel. Of the, the whole book of, of Hebrews is written to who? Jews. Uh, it's written to the Hebrews. It's written to Jews who are, are worried uh, and they're thinking about turning back to the old ways of doing things. Right. Uh, be, why? Because they're under persecution of Jews, other Jews. Uh, right. So, so the whole book of Hebrews is written to uh, those whom uh, God has called out of that and called to Himself. That's right. Uh, by grace alone, and and the writer of Hebrews, who I I believe is Paul, uh, he, he is telling them to <laughs> hold should. fast. Part R.C. Sproul says the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, 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 it makes Lawson sense because. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It's it's Paul's theology, but it's you know it's more most likely written by Luke. Uh, but if Romans is you know uh, Paul's you know real magnum opus you know to believers in Rome, well then Hebrews is the same thing just to the Hebrews. Um, so it it makes sense. It does. It absolutely does. And, and it shows, you know, Paul's kind of uh, uh, his knowledge of the history of Israel uh, as right. he wa- he really walks through their history. He sure does. He sure does, man. So uh, verse five. But that, that's oh. for Hebrews. When we, whenever yeah. we get oh, there, man. <laughs> I I told you I started reading um, uh, Owen's Owen and uh, A. W. Pink's commentary on Hebrews. Okay. Um, Hodges just came out too. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. And it's let's see. Gotta get that. Dang it, Panner. Thank you. All right. So <laughs> verse five. Uh so we've talked about, you know, he said, uh, backing up to verse four, the divine response is I have kept for myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So Paul Paul again is reaffirming, look, there's nothing new. Look, this has happened before. Um, verse five, in the same way, then, in the same way. I love this verse. There has also come to be at the present time a remnant according to God's gracious choice. Now this, real quickly, we need to be careful with this phrase, at the present time. Because right. the same people who will get the argu- get in the argument over the term for no uh, will look at at this phrase in the present time. And they'll say, well, no, that's at the time of Paul. Because later, what God's going to do in the future for Israel is He's going to save all of Israel. No, Paul is. You think you can't. You can't read it that way. You have to look at who Paul is talking to at the time that he's talking to. He's saying at the present time, right now. Even though with all the grafting in of the Gentiles, Israel, uh, you know, kind of look, you know, is outside uh, looking in, but. But even now, just like he has done all throughout history, he is still saving Jews. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, and and, and we we also can't ignore we, we can't ignore that, that in this passage it does say that it's a great profound mystery that there we, we can't ignore uh, certain aspects, and we're not going to get into it now. Uh, certain aspects of eschatology, as far as New Jerusalem. Where, where the Lord will turn the 144,000 that we hear of in revelation. Again, not, not, not diving into that now. Uh, ab- the answer is absolutely not it, during this time. Also, uh, God is not done with Israel. Um, whether you're, you know, this be pre-mill historic pre-mill post-mill a mill. Um, the, the, the point is there will be a new Jerusalem at some point. Jerusalem comes from the name. Hello. <laughs> where where it comes from and and uh and again paul paul encourages um uh in, in romans 9 as well uh that uh, i mean he 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 said I, I wish that i uh that i myself were a curse separated from christ for the sake of my brethren my kinsmen according to the flesh that's strong language and then he walks through who are israelites to whom belongs the adoption as sons and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and the promises whose are the fathers and, and from whom is the Christ according to the flesh who is overall God blessed forever. Amen. So we can't, obviously we're, we would never ever try to deny 
um, the fact that God has only, he has only said that I have one chosen nation in the Old Testament, and it was Israel. And and he has, by his grace, grafted us Gentiles into that. Um, so, not necessarily, didn't mean to kind of digress there, but um, in the present time, uh, again, I, I agree with you, it, it, it doesn't just mean when this letter was written. Uh, it's applicable now. Um, a remnant, a remain, uh, a remaining according to God's gracious choice. Um, and again, again, we come back to the doctrine of election, his gracious election. And it's, it's specifically Romans 8, Romans 9, Romans 10, and now 11. You cannot escape his gracious choice. It, that, that literally means that that verse five gracious choice could be translated election by grace. This is how all believers are saved in all ages. No one, including the believing remnant is saved or elected by their own spiritual or moral good works or on the basis, hear me, or on the basis of ethnicity but according to God's saving and gracious election before the foundation of the world. Look, if if you don't believe in the doctrine of election, then I have to agree with Martin Lloyd-Jones. I have to agree with Dr. Steve Lawson that I would sincerely question your knowledge of the gospel and, and truly what God has done through the shed blood of Christ and what he continues to do to build his church. Um, we, we, we can't get away from that mm-hmm. at all. Your thoughts? Yeah. No, I, I mean, it made me think about people who want to deny uh, predestination and election. I go, well, have you even read your Bible? Because those then you're not words saved. are in there. If you don't believe in it, then th- th- no one would be saved. No one. I mean, yeah, I mean, those 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 very terms are used. <laughs> so the problem is people want to redefine those terms right. uh, from their classic definition uh, in order to fit their worldview to protect the almighty will of man. Uh, the only problem is that was refuted uh, back in Romans 9, verse 16. Uh, it's refuted, you know, by Jesus in John chapter 1. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, but w- when we look at this, you know, God's gracious choice, I, the next verse, verse 6, is another zoom in. And what what Paul's zooming in on is that God's gracious choice. Yeah, and I think, uh, but oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh uh, no, I was just going to read the verse. Oh, I was um, going to read a commentary on the ver- on on these two verses from Second Peter or Second Timothy, excuse me, Second Timothy one nine. Um, well, backing up to verse eight. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or or me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Verse nine who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, so, so here, uh, Paul talks about in the same way that there was also, uh, uh, 
There has also come to be at the present time a remnant according to God's gracious choice. And then a zoom in on the gracious choice. Yes. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. So this is not something you can work towards. Right. This, there's nothing that you can do. It's the same as unconditional election, right? There's nothing in you. There's nothing that you did in order for God's uh, love to be poured out on you, in order for him to draw you to himself. There, there's nothing absolutely on the basis of of you, what you have done or what you will do. Uh, there is no work on your part involved. The only right. work is on the part of Christ and it is God by his grace, the, the giving of what you don't deserve drawing you to himself. Because mm. if it is, as Paul continues on the basis of work and not of grace, then it is no longer grace because, right. because you can't work for grace. Now there's a, uh, <clears throat> Uh, l- let me just give an example to to kind of clarify that, right? When you work, you receive a, a wage. Your wage mm-hmm. is actually uh, justice. You you work and you receive justice right. for what you've done. Now, say you go uh, at the end of at the end of the work week, you go to collect your check. Your your boss writes you a check for your wage, and he gives it to you, right? But you've got your buddy next to you, and for no reason other than the graciousness uh, of the boss, he writes your friend a check too and says, well, here you go. Well, he didn't earn it. There's nothing he right. did. It was just on the basis of of the boss uh, uh, showing grace to give him something for free that he could not have earned. That's uh, right. That's right. Yeah. And this, so, is, this is something, I mean, Paul, Paul's been tackling this idea the, the entire epistle. Um, yeah. I mean, he, uh, yeah. the, the, the whole, I mean, just, just driving this point home. This that's is not right. a new yeah. concept again, not that's, a new that, concept. Yeah, that's right. That's why during the reformation, I mean, it was faith alone that we are justified. It is grace alone that we are saved, uh, because there is no work, actual work we can put forth in order to receive, uh, the gift of salvation. Uh, we can't earn it. Um, it is it is only by the basis of God's grace and for the sheer purpose of glorifying himself. Because ultimately, in those who are saved, God will be glorified because right. of his his grace and mercy being bestowed upon uh upon some. And then in those who are not saved, who receive condemnation, God is glorified as well. Uh, by uh, enacting justice and judgment upon those who who do not believe. So either way, God is glorified. Yep. Amen, brother. Amen. We 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 want and need grace. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't we don't want justice and works. Um, as far That's as, right. as we don't want fair. No, we don't. No, want, we don't gosh, want fair. No, no abs- absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because if if we wanted fair, well, then fair is condemnation for every single person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because then everyone receives the wages of their sin, which is which that's what they've worked for, and their wage, what they've earned, is death. It is it is condemnation. It is the eternal wrath of God. We want grace. We want mercy. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So, so a couple of things just kind of, uh, j- j- just to kind of, uh, recap and, and then, and then, and just a couple points of application that I wrote, I wrote down for us, uh, uh, in these first, uh, the, the these first six verses. And we, we just need to remember that, um, the church is built, Matthew 16 says, Christ is saying, I will build my church. The church goes on because it is God's church. Uh, the remnant are saved and sanctified by his word because it is a work of Christ, not our work. It is grace given by Christ, uh, not not on, not. I mean, so that no man may boast, Ephesians says. Um, so we need to remember that nobody is chosen. Uh, because again, because he's good or, or, or even that he believes, right? We're not chosen because we believe we believe because we're chosen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we don't believe because we're better than the unbeliever. Remember Romans three, all have sinned and fall short. Um, so we need to remember that, that, that it's a, it's a pure matter of unmerited and undeserved electing grace in spite of ourselves, grace, an explosion of God's goodness. And Romans 1 16, the gospel is the power of God, that dynamite power. It is, it is immense. It is unmerited. It is unwavering favor based on nothing that we have done. Uh, and again, as Jonathan Edwards reminds us, we only brought the sin to the table necessary. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all we have done. Um, so in, in, in light of that, and in light of what we see going on in today's world, Right, you've got uh, the, the the climate, the climate of 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 evangelical Christianity right now is is wow, um, and 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 I think we've talked about this a few times about the about another great awakening, um, and 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 other you know the the great awakening, um, you know one of the reasons that that came about was because of some similar climate that we're seeing today. Um, and I'm opening, I have my book, the great awakening, cause I'm reading it this week. Um, but there was something in here, um, that I, I wrote down and then I wanted to try to find, oh, um, you know, but the, okay. So there, there was a lot of controversy, controversy, um, uh, during this time. And, and one of the things that Joseph Tracy is asking when he's talking about Gilbert Tennant and Blair. And th- there, there was massive controversy as far as the old side and the new side uh, way of looking at those who were converted. How, how are, are they, are, just because someone professes belief, are they allowed to come to the table? Or do they have to show evidence of that, of that, uh, of that conversion? And Gilbert Tennant was strong. Uh, I mean, strong. And, and one of the things that Joseph Tracy noted in here, he said, the controversy, therefore, did not divert their attention from their great work of saving souls. Um, and, 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 and I mean, th- there, were, there were obviously massive controversy going on when Paul wrote Romans. There's, we just talked about the Reformation for Reformation Month. There was massive, obviously, controversy going on there. Uh, and, and, and we see, we, we see the same thing. We see the same thing happening in, in our world today. And is, um, you know, is, is one of the things that Dr. MacArthur just recently, I was listening to, to him talk about, um, uh, 50 years in ministry. And it was when the master seminary went back to, went back to school, he, he gave a chapel class. And one of the things that he was talking about in this book, 
Uh, no, I'm sorry. It was it was actually his last message at the Truth Matters Conference. Uh, he was talking about reading the Great Awakening, and he said that what was interesting is that Whitfield was preaching outside to believers, but Edwards was preaching in churches to unbelievers, mm-hmm. and that's where a lot of the Great Awakening took place. So, so we see climates like that. We see just these asinine things happening in our world, and there are just a few things that I that I jotted down. I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but. Um, that, that this section of scripture and reminding us uh, of a few things and they, and I alliterated because I've been listening to a lot of Steve Lawson. So it just happened. Um, number one, we need to, we need to make sure we have the right perspective. Um, and we need to face everything in this life. Martin Lloyd Jones reminds us that we need to face everything in this life in a scriptural manner, not with a focus on the situations or ourselves, but his word. And we need to remember Peter's words in 2 Peter 1, 2, and 3, um, that, that we have all things related to life and godliness, you know, 19 through 21, that we have a more sure word um, in, in, in the scriptures. We don't need to apply our own reason to it or change the meaning to suit our own carnal needs or thoughts, but that we would truly seek and desire to be a student of the word in all things. Um, and, 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 and that's, you know, Jonathan Edwards reminds us in revolution uh, resolution number 10, he says, resolved when I feel pain to think of the pains of martyrdom and of hell, um, mm-hmm. resolved in, in num- number 28, resolved to study the scriptures so steadily, constantly and frequently as that I may find and plainly perceive myself to grow in the knowledge of the same, that we approach all things from a scriptural standpoint. Um, and that's hard to do. We have to constantly be reminding ourselves to take captive every thought for the glory of Christ. So perspective, number two, personal, nothing personal. Okay. Um, the church isn't ours. Okay. We're a part of it, but, uh, as, 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 uh, again, the doctor points out, um, that's where Elijah got in trouble. He cried out in self-pity, uh, because, because of the thought that God wasn't there and that he was the only one. We need to remember that the battle belongs to the Lord, that Christ's words um, to Peter, again, in Matthew 16, I will build my church. Okay, Uh, almost done. Uh, So we got perspective, nothing personal, and then performance. Okay, Um, the numbers don't follow the crowd. Um, During Elijah's time, almost everyone was on the wrong side. Okay, uh, and that that was happening when Lloyd Jones uh, went through this in 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 the fifties. Uh, I think it was fifties when he went through Romans, um, and, and and it's even more so happening in ours. Look at the big ecumenical movement, right? The big focus on unity above truth, and and we we tend to elevate that that ecu, uh, ecumenical attitude above the truth, um, and and that's. That's, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Numbers fade. Truth endures. Um, you know, again, we just spent a whole month going through the Reformation. These men stood for the truth, and that's not popular. Look at what Luther went through, right? He said, here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Truth matters. Theology matters. Um, don't follow the crowd and the numbers, um, especially when they go against what is absolutely clear in scripture, just because everybody else is listening to Bethel doesn't mean you need to either. That's right. Uh, And then I'm going to add one more. Uh, So we've got perspective, nothing personal performance, and then persistence. 
we don't need to run and hide, but we need to stand in love on the blood-bought promises and purposes of God that will never fail. He will keep his church going. He will not forsake his remnant. He will continue to elect, save, sanctify, and build his church. Um, and, and, you know, one of the reasons for studying this chapter and why is, is because it is the breathed out word of God. And, and it's one of those things that this, it, it reminds us, it's reminded me of who we trust and who we put our hope in and who we believe in. So uh, perspective, nothing personal, performance and persistence or some thoughts. I'm, I'll shut up. No, that's, that's, uh, that's very good. Uh, good application. Um, I would like to, uh, for those of you who are uh, kind of under the assumption that, uh, you know, all of Israel will be saved. And again, we will, we'll get into this later once we get to that portion of scripture. Yep. Uh, I just want to remind you that uh, God has made promises to Israel. Absolutely. Um, he, and he is faithful to his, to his word. Uh, but also, uh, there are two places, uh, and I'm thinking more specifically, uh, John six and John 14, mm-hmm. where Jesus says, no man can come to me unless the father draws him. And then in John 14, he says, uh, no one can, can come to the father except through me. So if you reject Jesus, no matter uh, if you're a Jew, no matter if you're a Gentile, you reject Jesus, you will not be saved. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, it, Jesus's words are clear. You cannot get to the Father. You cannot be reconciled back to the Father except on the basis of Christ. And you can't get to Christ unless the Father draws you. Uh, so if you are uh, listening and you're a believer, I hope that's encouraging to you uh, that your faith in Christ is not one that you have worked up, but it is one that has been gifted to you uh, by God uh, for his glory. Uh, so rejoice that there was nothing in you, but it was God who drew you to himself. Uh, that should draw that, that, that should lead you and, and push you to worship even more. Uh, but if you are non uh, if you are not a believer and you are listening to this, uh, I want to encourage you. Uh, today is the day of salvation. Uh, repent of sin. Uh, turn from sin and turn to Christ who came to live out the God's law, God's perfect standard. He came to live it out, uh, securing righteousness. Uh, and then he went to the cross on your behalf, mm. taking the sin that you should be punished for. And he paid the price that you and I owe. That's right. And it is only by faith in Christ and repentance of sin that we are then credited with the righteousness of Christ and looked at as though we had always obeyed God. Uh, so that when he looks at us, he sees nothing but Christ. Mm, amen. And when he looks at the cross, he sees sin paid for. That's right. So don't put it off. Uh, repent today. 
because today is the day of salvation. And when you do that, you will find Christ to be a perfect Savior. Mm, Amen. Amen, brother. I think that's a... I think I I felt we needed to get back to our gospel. gospel Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. And I, uh, man, that was, that was, that was awesome. And what a, what a beautiful reminder. What a, what a beautiful Mm -hmm. reminder that, uh, oh, and a humbling reminder, um, Mm -hmm. of, of, of the gospel. Amen. I think that's a good place to, we got through verse six. Got through verse six. I like it. You know, we actually got through it before, uh, an hour. Yeah, and then I kept going. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's just we we can pick a place and we can get through it. We, yeah, we know yeah. we can do it. Yep. So, yep. But uh, with that, uh, this is this is part one of Romans eleven verses going through verses one through six. Uh, it's going to be several several episodes to get through it. Uh, but, uh, just to give you a little heads up, a little inside before the end of the year, we are planning to do a couple of book giveaways. Yes. Uh, so we're not going to tell you what they are yet, uh, because I'm still waiting for one to arrive. Uh, it's been a while. <laughs> I mean, it's been about t- maybe a week since I, since yeah, I requested you, I, it. But... I, I think, it, I think we could tell them. Nah, let's not. Okay. All right. Let's wait. Yeah, let's wait. It makes it more fun. Uh, but one thing, man, if if you guys listen to this and follow us on social media, reach out to us because we are looking for creative ways to give books away. Yeah. Uh, you know, like we had the last book we gave away was uh, James White's book, The Potter's yeah. Freedom. Yeah. And we actually had Dr. White uh, play a part in the book giveaway. Um, he retweeted a picture of it yep. and, or he retweeted someone and, and the person he retweeted was the one that won the book. So that was just something fun to get some, get him involved in doing that. Um, and we're thankful for that. Uh, but if you have any creative ways, yeah, let us know. Uh, let us know. Yeah. We want to have fun with it. Um, but we are planning b- before the end of the year to do two more book giveaways because it's been a minute since we've given away a book. Yeah. Yes. Then this, this, this one's good. This one's very good. I mean, very good. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll leave it there. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. All right. So with that, we're going to get out of here. We'll catch you guys on the next one for part two. Part two. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.